Thank you for downloading the Beacon Church podcast. We hope that you enjoy today's message and that you find that God speaks to you through it. I don't know about you guys, but nobody gave us a manual on how to parent. And, uh, and what they do with adoption is for the first two weeks, you absolutely do not have, they don't have to go to school, we don't go to work, we are at home. And then you're really encouraged to be at home and to enjoy one another's company and get to know each other. New parents, we didn't know what to do with a six and four year old. So Saturday they arrived and we watched a lot of cars. And Sunday there was a repeat of cars, and Monday there was a repeat of cars. And the boys were quite happy. I was absolutely going balmy at this point. And um, so by Tuesday, I'm like, oh, let's do something different. Should we go to the park? Now, what I haven't told you is that my boys moved from Leeds to be with us in Croydon. And so they came with some really strong Yorkshire accents. I'm like, but I'm a new mum. I didn't realise that you don't take your children to the park in December, especially when all the other kids are in school, because there's just nothing to do. But anyway, I said to the boys, I went, boys, should we go to the park? And they're like, oh, mummy, we love park. We want to go up park. And so we wrapped them all up, and we, well, I took them down, and we walked around the corner, and, and as we approached the corner, the boys could see out of the corner of their eyes, there's, there's some swings. Mummy, look, there's swings. We want to go on swings. And so, I'm quite good at that Yorkshire accent. <laughs> and um, I practiced that. And then, um, <laughs> oh, gave away my secrets. The, um, we got to the swings, and one swing was absolutely fine. But the other swing, clearly some older children had been in the park before we got there, and they had flipped it over the top. And the boy's face says, Mommy, we both want to go on swings. And I'm looking at this going, I've got to get that swing over. And I'm like, well, I'm brand new mum. I'm also super mum. I can do this. (laughs) And I judged, I judged. I thought, well, if I move the boys out of the way and take a good run and push really hard and run back really quickly, Uh, it will be fine, I can do this. And of course, I wanted to impress my new children. So I moved my children away. I took my run, I pushed, I turned around. I just didn't push hard enough. And so I misjudged the timing. The swing came back, hit me on my shoulder, and I landed face forward on the floor. Don't laugh. And... um, Anyway, I was in agony, and everything in me wanted to scream and cry. But I'm like, I'm super mum. I can't scream and cry. The boys will be frightened. And so I just sat there and froze, and I just was frozen trying to absorb the pain that was going through my shoulder. And, uh, and as I'm absorbing this pain, trying not to move and trying to work out what to do next, I could hear the little boys and their concern. And uh, the youngest one... I was like, Mummy, 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 wake up. And they went, oh, no. Mummy, she's dead. (laughs) To which the oldest one, in all of his six years of wisdom, said, no, she's not dead. She's just gone to heaven. (laughs) 
Parenting 101 by the Potters. We, we learnt a lot in those couple of weeks and we have been learning ever since. Um, JJ is used to me telling that story. It's okay, he's not embarrassed. He's cool, he can handle it, he can handle it. Um, I share that story for a couple of reasons. One is obviously just so you get to know me a little bit. But also, the boys came from a background that had nothing to do with Jesus. They had had a, quite a traumatic start, and then they'd been in foster care for quite some time. But actually, the boys had only been with us for four days. And by day four, our eldest had already realised that for mum and dad, Jesus, God, the church, was massively important. He'd already picked those things up just in four days. So the person that I want to talk to you about this morning is Jesus, who is the most important person in my life. And I want to tell you more about him, more important than my husband, more important than my children. Jesus is where it is for me. And I want to talk to you about Jesus and who he is and give you an opportunity to actually meet him for yourself this morning. Uh, so that's why I talked about that. But before I do that, I also want to introduce you. Uh, Ian uh, is a guy I've known for more than 20 years. He's been part of our church. What I know of Ian is that he hears from God. He just has like a, a hotline to God. And, and God often speaks to him in words and pictures and uh, reveals things to him. It's, it's a gift of the Holy Spirit. And I asked him to pray before we came and see if God said anything for the church or for particular individuals. And so I'm just going to invite him to come up and just share a couple of pictures that he's had. We're not going to respond to them now, but I want you to remember them as I'm speaking. Well, good morning. Good to see you. It's good to be here. Uh, my name's Ian. I'm a friend of Jazz's and she's introduced me. Um, I've got a couple of words for folks here this morning, and I believe are from God for the particular people here. <clears throat> the first one is, um, I, I believe there's people here who have a connection with France, or a French connection of some sort, or involved with something to do with France, or something to do with French. And there's a man and a woman. There's two of you. Uh, and I think that God would say to you that... Um, uh, you're not Christians yet, you haven't, you haven't uh, committed your lives to God yet. And yet you think and have thought in your, in your hearts that maybe I'm not really that responsible for what I do in my life. I can do what I want. And um, actually, the truth is that one day we will all stand before Jesus and have to give an account of how we lived our lives. And God would say to you, actually, you are responsible for your life. And it is important whether you commit your life to Jesus or not. That's the first one. The second one, um, I see someone here who's a lady uh, <clears throat> who um, used to be walking with the Lord, used to be a Christian, and enjoyed it, walked with the Lord. And then something happened, and you stopped doing that. You stopped walking with the Lord for whatever reason, and you still tried to enjoy your life. But it didn't really scratch where you itched, and um, you didn't really enjoy your life. Uh, when you stop walking with the Lord. Well, God would say to you today, I believe, that if you will recommit your life to Jesus, if you will come back to Jesus, he will give you a good future again, and you will again enjoy your life, and you will again enjoy walking with God. Now, that's the two words that I had for you folks.
Thank you. Um, I'm trusting that um, God is speaking to individuals here this morning and that the two words that Ian brought and the word that Owen brought already um, is already beginning to minister to you. At the end of my talk this morning, I'm going to be inviting uh, people to respond to those words and other things as, as the morning goes on. Uh, so there's going to be a real opportunity to connect with God. And actually, I believe over the next 20 minutes or so, um, lives are going to be transformed. I actually believe that. I think there's going to be destinies that are changed. As I share, I am really aware that, that at the end of this, I'm going to ask you a question. And I'm going to tell you this now. I'm giving you upfront notice that I'm going to ask you a question. Do you want to follow Jesus? And there will you can either respond by um, saying, yes, I'm in. Or by not responding at all, effectively, that is a response. Do you understand what I'm saying? That actually there's an option, to, an opportunity for you today to say, yes, I am in. And, uh, and I'm giving you fair warning. So the whole time I am talking, you will be able to think, yeah, I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready. I can do this. I can do this. And the Holy Spirit will help you to do this. Um, can you hear me all right? I feel like I'm going a little bit in and out. I'm okay. As long as you can hear me, I'm happy. So let's begin at the beginning, this person of Jesus. The Jesus matters. Jesus, the person that we've been singing about and worshipping and talking about and praying to, he matters. He isn't a figment of anyone's imagination. He actually lived and he actually did the most phenomenal work for each and every one of us. And I'm going to explain why that happened like that. Imagine just for a moment, just for a moment, that I had a USB cable that I could connect to your brain. There was a little bit in your brain. I could connect there and I could connect it to a computer and everything you ever thought or ever said or ever did would appear on a screen for everybody to read. There's that uncomfortable giggle there, wasn't there? That uncomfortable moment where we're like, everything that I ever thought, ever said, or ever did would appear before other people for them to read. And it's uncomfortable because there are bits about our life that we're already embarrassed about. We're already like, wouldn't want anybody to know about that. That's a little bit shameful. Wouldn't want to have that disclosed to anybody. See, that to me says that we've fallen short of our own standards. Whatever standards we've decided life is about, we've already fallen short of our own personal standards. If we've already fallen short of our own standards, how much more have we fallen short of God's standards? Because God's standards are a whole different level to the ones that we set up for ourselves. All right, I'm not going to put a USB cable in anybody's brain. It's fine. I actually can't do that. I don't have the power or the technology. But I just wanted you to feel that for a moment. Feel the weight of what that would, what that would be like. 
And if we've fallen short of our own standards, as I said, how much more have we fallen short of God's? The difficulty of falling short of God's standards is there are consequences of falling short of those. I'm really painting a very bad picture for you this morning. I appreciate it's sunny and beautiful. You thought you were going to get a nice message. I'm delivering you a hard message here. Because there are consequences for falling short. And the Bible tells me that the consequences for falling short is death. Yeah, it's death. That's what the Bible says. We fall short of God's standards. The only, only destiny we have in that is death. Just think about that for a moment. It doesn't sound very appealing, does it? It doesn't sound like a nice message. Because we've been singing about the God of love, the God who cares for us, the God who has done stuff for us. Well, what has he done? What has he done that makes a difference to you and I? What has he done that makes a difference? Why would I stand up here and talk about him? What he did was he, he sent Jesus to die for us. And that's a massive statement, and people don't understand why that is important. He sent Jesus Jesus, who is God, became man, walked on earth and sent Jesus. We talk about the Christmas story. We know the Christmas story. We're really familiar with it. I think we're less familiar with the Easter story. We're less familiar with the person of Jesus who was crucified and killed and was uh, buried and came back to life three days later. Why is that relevant? Why is that relevant in 2019? Why would that be important at all? As you can tell, I'm Indian. I wasn't born in this country. I was born in India, in the north, in Punjab. Come on, I need a whip for that. And um, I was born into a Sikh family. Uh, Sikhs, I'm sure you know, are the guys that wear turbans. Yep, you've seen them around. I'm sure there's plenty of them. Uh, and we, we, uh, we were very religious as a family. We would go to temple all of the time. That was just what we did. I went to temple after school. I went to temple on Saturdays and Sundays. My mum was particularly religious. But the local church um, in Wimbledon, where I grew up, had a, a, a holiday club. That's the only way of describing it, a holiday club that took place on Wimbledon Common. And every summer, well, sorry, I should have said my dad died when I was very young, so mum was really excited that there was free childcare through this holiday club. And she would send my brother and I to this holiday club for the free childcare. Uh, and we'd quite enjoy it. And I went when I was five, and I went when I was six, and I went when I was seven, and it just carried on going. And every year, somebody would say to me, Jazz, would you like to become a Christian? Partly, I didn't even know what that sentence meant got no idea what does it mean to become a Christian but partly I was young and I wasn't that interested but more importantly I'm like no thank you I'm a Sikh I go to temple I have a belief in God I didn't realize that there was something different from being a Sikh to being a Christian I didn't understand except the year that I was 12 someone on the very last day said to me again Jazz do you want to become a Christian and suddenly, I don't know what happened to me, but I found myself in tears as I realised that they were talking about Jesus and that he was real. That he wasn't... No little ones in here. That he wasn't a... The story. Did you all get that? And that he wasn't a... Um, story. And that he... Um, 
he was actually real, that he wasn't a legend, he wasn't made up. And as I'm beginning to realise that actually this person, Jesus, is real, if he's real, then I need to respond. And the way that the person spoke to me and talked to me about Jesus, I realised that I wanted to know Jesus. And I didn't understand fully that actually he was offering me forgiveness or he was offering me this or that or the other. All I knew was that there was invitation to meet Jesus. And I knew that if Jesus was real, I wanted to connect with him. And so in that moment, age 12, on Wimbledon Common, I said, yes. I said, yes, Jesus, I want to know you. I didn't know how my life was going to turn around and that 30 or so years later I'd be standing in front of a bunch of people in Brixton telling them about the most important person that I know. But actually that's what happened to me age, age 12 in Wimbledon Common and I remember afterwards running around everybody that I could meet and say, do you know what, I've just become a Christian, I have just met Jesus. And I knew that I had crossed the line and it was just a really simple, short prayer that I had prayed. That's all I did to meet Jesus. And I literally stepped from one place to another. And these days, I describe it as though life was... I didn't think I was living in black and white. But actually, once I came to know Jesus, it's like suddenly everything came into full colour. It's like I had been in black and white and now I was in full colour. And uh, it was, yeah... It was transforming for me. Life changed me in an instant. Life, I can't promise you that knowing Jesus, life is going to be just sweet. It isn't. I'm not going to promise you that come to Jesus and life will be so perfect and you'll have this wonderful, amazing life. But what I can promise you, come to Jesus and your life will be richer and more beautiful and more precious and you will never be on your own again. The rubbish stuff will happen. It happens. That is life. But you do this with Jesus. You never do it on your own again. So why Jesus? Because Jesus connects me to God. Why couldn't God do it? Why couldn't it just be me and God? Why do I need Jesus? I often say to people, I think that most people are searching for something. And I call it like a God-shaped hole in people's lives. And we try and fill that God-shaped hole with all sorts of things. Some of it is good stuff, like we do lots of good things. We're good people. We, we help old ladies cross the road and we um, um, go and do hospital visits or we help at a charity shop or we do various things or we give our money. And we think that by doing those things, somehow that connects us to God. But it doesn't fully satisfy. The classics are obviously sex, drugs and rock and roll. And we get involved in all sorts of other things to try and satisfy us. And all those things satisfy for a moment. Absolutely, they satisfy for a moment. But they don't give you the long-term satisfaction that you get by knowing Jesus. The only person that can satisfy that God-shaped hole is Jesus Christ himself. The Bible tells me that God loved us so much that he sent his one and only son that whoever would believe in him will not die 
but live forever. See, coming to know Jesus doesn't mean death. It actually means living forever. Which is a bizarre concept, and I can't fully explain it to you. But what I know is that at the end of all of this, at the end of my natural life, I will not die the death that would be offered to me if I didn't know Jesus. But I know that at the end of this natural life that I will live with Jesus forever and ever and ever and ever. And I don't know what heaven will be like. I cannot describe heaven to you. The Bible doesn't give us much information about what heaven is. But I do know that it's a place. And I do know some things about heaven. I know it's a place where there is no regret. That's where I want to be. How many of us live with regrets? Yeah, yeah, we do, we do. But I know that 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 is to come, there will be no place of regret. There will be no shame. There will be no mourning. There will be no tears. And there will be no sickness. Those are the things that I know that I'm confident in because that's what the Bible tells me. And those are the things that are on offer to you this morning. Jesus was born. He lived. He gathered some disciples. And then he was taken to a mock court. He was jeered at. He was He was laughed at. He was beaten, he was whipped. It was all fake. Not fake that he went through those things, but the, the setup for him. A mock court. It wasn't real. But he endured all of that humiliation. And then he was placed on a cross. And he was killed. And he died. Absolutely. He was buried for three days. We must have heard about that quite recently in all our Easter services. But on the third day, he came back to life. Came back to life. What he did was, he beat death. Yeah, that's worth a cheer. He beat death. He beat the consequences of death. By coming back to life, he dealt with death. On the cross, he carried our guilt, our shame, our pain, our sadness. He carried every wrong thing that you and I would ever do. He carried it, he bore it, he considered you, even in 2019, he considered you sitting in a school hall in Brixton. He had you in his mind. I'm doing it for you. I'm doing it for you. He did it so he could rest. And literally, by dying and coming to life, he took your hand and he placed it into the hand of God so that you would be connected forever and ever and ever. 
so that there would be no separation between you and God. See, that sin, that stuff that we do, that we're embarrassed about, that we're ashamed about, that we wouldn't want anybody else to know, it causes a separation between you and God. But Jesus dealt with that. I said at the beginning of when I started that I was going to give you an opportunity to respond. Many of you in this room I know already know and love Jesus and are connected to God through Jesus, absolutely. But there are those of you in this room, maybe you're responding to the words that Owen or Ian brought, and you already know, I'm here. I've got time to do business with God today. I can sort myself out. I can meet with Jesus, and Jesus is more than enough for me. And he rushes to meet with you. And so in a moment, I'm going to say, if you want to meet Jesus for the first time, we're going to pray a prayer, or maybe for the first time after a very long time. I'm hoping that a prayer is going to, I'm going to show you on the screen what the prayer is. And we're all going to pray it, whether we've done it once or a hundred times. We're going to pray it out loudly. And then I'm going to ask for a moment of where we just close our eyes and allow the Holy Spirit to move. And then I'm going to ask you that if you have prayed that prayer for the very first time, or for the very first time after a very long time, I'm going to ask you to raise your hands. That is a brave thing to do, but to raise your hands is an acknowledgement of what's going on on the inside. You don't need to know the answers. You don't need to know the Bible. You don't need to know everything. You just need to say, I want to follow Jesus. I want to know him more. And that is your start. That is your start, your journey into knowing the most incredible person and being connected to God forever and ever and ever. And part of... um, Raising your hand is an acknowledgement to yourself. It also helps me because I've got some literature that I'd love to be able to give you and I'd love to be able to connect you with some people in this church who will be able to help you with your walk uh, in Jesus. Is that all right? Right, so can you read, can you see the prayer behind me? It's quite a simple prayer. You see, we're saying thank you for dying for me. That's just, a, like, just an acknowledgement. It's just a very simple sentence. But we're acknowledging that Jesus had to die in order for us to have life. Thank you for dealing with my sin. That's what Jesus did. All that wrong stuff, that embarrassing stuff. On the cross, that's what he did. He dealt with your shame and that deep ache in your heart. Earlier on when I was praying um, for us before I got here, I just really sensed people that struggled with sleeping. I had a prophetic word. Real, real, you wake up with just the, what am I going to do in the middle of the night? And you can't get back to sleep. And actually, I just felt that deep ache in my heart is centered around the not being able to sleep. Jesus is dealing with, has dealt with it. And the next bit is you asking Jesus to come into your life. Today, I want to invite you in and start a brand new life with you. Today, everything can become new. You become a brand new creation. It doesn't matter what you've done. All of it can be forgiven and dealt with in one moment. 
And then thank you for showing me who you are. And you've seen who he is by what I've said, by what's been sung and by what's been prayed out and by what's been shared, by what's been seen in your friends' lives who invited you today. And then Holy Spirit, come and fill me now and help me grow as a Christian. Our Christian life grows when we encounter the person of the Holy Spirit who helps us to grow and become more and more like Jesus. Are we up for praying this? Okay. Right, we're all going to do it, and then I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. It's a serious moment. This is a holy moment. We'll take this seriously. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Thank you for dealing with my sin, my shame, and the deep ache in my heart. Today, I want to invite you in and start a brand new life with you. Thank you for showing me who you are. Holy Spirit, come and fill me now and help me grow as a Christian. Amen. Can I invite you all to close your eyes? For those of you that are Christians, can I ask you to be praying? Praying quietly. For those of you that prayed that prayer for the first time, or after a very long time, can I invite you to raise your hands? Wow. Thank you. Thank you so much. Are there any more? I don't want you to miss your opportunity. Your time. Father, I thank you for uh, the two people that have raised their hands this morning. Uh, That's just so exciting, church. We can get excited about that. Um, Father, I thank you for each of those individuals. And I ask you, Holy Spirit, to fill them in incredible ways, that today they would know their lives are completely different, that today they would know they have begun a brand new journey with you. They are new creations, that their lives are utterly transformed by you. We can all um, open our eyes. So two people gave their lives to Jesus this morning, which I am excited about. I'm not going to embarrass them. If they want to come up and say something, they're very welcome to, but I'm not going to embarrass them. I'm trying really hard not to look anywhere. And, um, but afterwards, I will come and find you and chat to you, and I've got some stuff for you guys, and um, want to bless you and connect you with some... Um, I also am really aware that Ian and Owen brought words and uh, what I want to do is I want to finish with a song but if you want to respond to any of those words I would really just um, can I invite you to maybe come down to this corner and we'll just come and pray with you I know it's brave but you got this is family isn't it this is family we can do this 
um, and we, we, we love one another, we want to care for one another, we support one another. So I just want you to be really brave and just come down to the corner and just get prayer. Ian will pray, I'll pray that other people that I'm sure willing to pray. Um, could I invite the worship team to come back and uh, lead us in that, that song before that we sang was brilliant, but any song of your choice is also great. You have just listened to a Beacon Church recording. If you would like more information about us, our vision, the team or upcoming events, please visit our website, which is beacon-church.org. You can email us at office at beacon-church.com or find us socially on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. You are welcome to share this recording as you wish, but please do not make any edits without express consent. Thank you.